As a free, not-for-profit service, Cradio requires the support of people like you to help keep us going in our mission. To donate, visit cradio.org.au slash donate. Cradio. Grace and Truth, talking with Archbishop Julian. So we're here once again for another episode of Grace and Truth, talking with Archbishop Julian. In this episode, we're going to have a little bit of a look at euthanasia. Now, recently, uh, there was an election here in, in your archdiocese uh, in the state of Tasmania, um, and it looks like there's there's going to be floated again another possibility. There's been, I think, two so far in the parliament here in Tasmania, but there's another attempt to try and legalise uh, the practice of euthanasia in this state. What are some thoughts that you have around that? Uh, yes, I was very surprised uh, to hear that the, the Greens plan as soon as um, Parliament uh, resumes to put forward a private member's bill um, promoting euthanasia. Now, I've been here in the diocese now for about four and a half years. When I first came, there was a bill before the the Parliament then to uh, legalise euthanasia. And I remember getting quite involved in that initial process and debate and, and speaking out on it. Um, and, uh, and it was defeated very narrowly, but, but it was defeated, I think, by one vote, uh, but it was defeated. But then last year, um, the, the a private member's bill was presented once again, um, largely the same as before. There's a little bit of change here and there, but largely the same. And so once again, there was a debate and once again, we had to be very active in, in presenting what we believed to be um, the, the great dangers associated with legalising of, of uh, euthanasia. And, uh, and then uh, that, that was defeated quite uh, successfully, almost uh, by a, a two-thirds, one-third majority. Um, so certainly at that stage, I thought that, uh, well, we'll be will be right for a while, this won't, won't come up again because this, the, the last bill was defeated uh, so, so soundly. Um, however, uh, it's going to be presented again and uh, we, we, we go into a, a debate if, 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 it's, if the government accepts it to be debated um, with, it, with uncertainty as to whether it would come through. I think... Uh, Possibly the the return of of the um, of the bill was has been stimulated by the fact that uh, the Victorian government recently passed a bill authorising uh, legalising euthanasia, which will come into effect in a year or so's time. So maybe it was because Victoria passed the bill that they felt a bit more confident to try again. But it, it is this uh, constant pressure of trying to get this bill through that uh, is uh, it's difficult because you, you've got to amount a, uh, a real effort. You've got to speak to parliamentarians. You've got to present the arguments why you, the bill should not be accepted. So I, I fear we'll need to, again, work hard to um, protect ultimately the, the sanctity of human life uh, by not having this, this bill passed in Tasmania. We've, we've been around for 2,000 years, so we're a pretty patient lot uh, here at the Catholic Church. Some people might be a little bit confused about why, why Christianity, why Catholicism has 
has thoughts on this kind of thing. Um, I guess what are your thoughts about and what is um, what is Christianity's thoughts on on dying? Is there a Christian approach to dying? I, I think, you know, well, a lot of these debates, unfortunately, we always seem to be in the negative position. And, and that's unfortunate because we're really having to take a defensive view rather than being able to be protagonists of certain views. And I've always felt that that's been a difficulty because we've always been those who have been opposing something rather than those that are proposing something, offering something in a positive sort of way. After the, um, the first uh, debate in Tasmania, uh, I, I, I talked to a number of people who were on the committee that was trying to, um, to argue not to change the law, that we really should try to produce something of a positive nature. And so uh, I commissioned a, a work which was eventually published, and it was called Living to the End, Preparing for a Good Death. Because I said, what we need to do is help people understand that the dying process is not just a negative process in itself, even though it appears on the surface. You know, human life is declining uh, in the dying process. People are losing various faculties, various capacities. And, and so it is natural for us to, if you like, if we look at the dying just purely from a um, external perspective, we would say, well, dying really is, is a negative uh, time in life. We, 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 life is fading. Our, our powers and capacities are being weakened. We're becoming dependent um, and, and maybe associated with it is, is, is disease or suffering of one kind or another. So uh, it's, it's understandable that people, even those who want to uh, promote euthanasia are saying, look, we're really doing this to minimise the suffering of people who are dying. We're really doing this as an act of kindness. As, as they say, they want to help people die with dignity. You know, And so you can see that that has a certain attractiveness. And I think that argument does gain a fair bit of, um, of uh, positive endorsement from people and particularly from politicians. I think we need to, to, to stand back from that, that, if you like, immediate external physical reality of the dying process and to look at it from a Christian perspective. I was very interested when I was uh, thinking about this, I came across uh, a, a, um, a body of uh, literature from the Middle Ages, which was called, called the Ars Morandi, The Art of Dying. And I was very attracted to the idea that uh, back in the Middle Ages, I was saying there that, that, that the dying process is a, is a, a positive thing. There's a, an art to dying. There's a way in which we can die well. That's why we have the idea of preparing for good death. And, uh, and I, I thought it's, it's, if we can help people understand this positive approach to dying, it could really, if like, lessen people's focus on the necessity for euthanasia. Now, one of the elements I, I probably need to mention immediately in, in, this, in this area is the fact that there have been remarkable advances in what we now call palliative care. And in uh, most Western societies, particularly in Tasmania, there are a number of facilities devoted to palliative care. Palliative care basically is 
a specialty, a medical specialty of people who, who assist a person in the dying process. And one of the elements that they obviously look at is pain management. Uh, that, that, uh, and now we are really blessed to be able to, able to minimise uh, pain uh, for somebody who's dying. This, that in itself is, is an argument that is not understood. I think people still have in their minds a sense that somebody is, is suffering terribly and is in great discomfort. It's uh, very distressing for everybody involved. Now, a lot of that has actually been uh, minimised, if not completely eradicated, by palliative care. So, firstly, we can assist people at that medical level to die well, if you like, to die with a minimum degree of discomfort and pain and, and, and suffering. I think that's the first element. But I think moving on from that, I always like to emphasise the fact that the dying process is actually a profoundly human experience. Uh, that is something that uh, shouldn't just be seen as a diminishment of the human person. And as I said before, it certainly appears in that way. But rather to see this as, in the end, a, a profound spiritual movement of, of moving away from a physical life to eternal life. And in, in that regard, uh, the words of the Lord from the cross, into your hands I commend my spirit, it, it expresses this positive aspect of dying. The dying is actually a journey that we undertake. I remember uh, the author Malcolm Muggeridge, when he was asked about death, making the comment, he said, well, when you're on a, uh, an ocean liner um, travelling, your life is mainly focused on the, the life on board. But as the, the boat begins to pull in to the harbour, your, your mind goes away from life on board to what awaits you when you arrive in the harbour. I think it's a very good image to say that in life, yes, we're engaged with life and all that life offers, but as life starts to come to its conclusion, then if you like, we're more interested, more focused on what lies ahead. Because for the Christian, there is a transition from death into life, life in union with God. And for a person of faith, the person who's lived their life desiring to be in union with God, the dying process becomes one of surrender, one of openness and expectation what lies ahead. And we often read in the lives of saints and our, our Christian literature many examples of, of what we call a holy death or a good death of somebody who has made that final journey. And one senses their faith has actually risen up. While if you like their body is declining, their faith, their spiritual life rises up in expectation of what lies ahead. So I think if we can convey that idea, that we see, we see um, the, the idea of, um, of death not just as a, the decline of the human person, now it has all those elements to it at the physical level, but to see it as also the transition at the spiritual level uh, particularly um, to a new life in union with God and that expectation that we will be taken up into the hands of God uh, through death. If I could uh, raise an, another issue, I think about the good death. 
Um, I think one of the elements about a good death is that it's also a very important moment for the, the loved ones of the person who's dying. I think we all, certainly I do, find it very, very difficult to, to know how we can be with a person in that dying process. But it's possible for, um, firstly, for the, the, the loved ones of the dying person, as they do, they rally around, but they accompany the person. So the person's dying is not in isolation. It's not cut off from everybody. Now, sometimes their capacity to communicate might be limited, but at the same time, the very fact of their, their loved ones being with them, you know, sitting by the bedside, being around in, in the hospital with the person, the family gathering around together, that's a very, very important, very human thing. Firstly, for the person who's dying to know that their loved ones are with them. They're not on this journey alone. And secondly, it's also important for the loved ones to have the opportunity of being able to say farewell. Uh, I, I think that's a very deeply human reality. It's difficult, very difficult to do. But you do sometimes hear stories of people who have actually done that, of, the, of the, the dying person actually saying farewell to those close to them and the, the members of the family being also able to say to say farewell it's a it's a very deeply human reality and in the end if like the person is being being accompanied by love in their in their dying process that that love is surrounds them and often love is almost tangible in in those moments as the person is dying and those who are closest to them are, are gathered around them so the dying process can be both for the person themselves, but also for those who are closest to them, a very deeply and very beautifully human experience. So we shouldn't ever underestimate that dimension as well. Um, and if I could add one final element to this is that the church traditionally has offered various means to assist the person in dying process. And, um, Firstly, the, the sacramental uh, uh, opportunities by receiving Holy Communion, we call it viaticum, which is a food for the journey. Um, the idea of making a final deathbed confession, uh, the idea of uh, being in the, the experience of being anointed um, with, the, with the oil of the sick, uh, in the sacrament of the sick, to, to assist the person spiritually. Um, and then finally, the church has a, a beautiful, beautiful depository of prayers that can be prayed. And as a priest, I've often prayed them with people who are dying and I've found it a very beautiful moment, even if they themselves can't participate very much. Just the fact that we're praying with the person, saying the prayers for the dying, uh, I'm sure is for them a source of spiritual comfort on this final journey. So there's, there's much opportunity, I think, for us to present a, a, a whole different view of what dying is about, uh, rather than this, this very restricted view of what dying is uh, when, when we hear people talk about um, promote the promotion of euthanasia. That's a yeah, very beautiful reflection there on on as you said there that kind of that art of art of dying and that movement away from seeing dying as as just a 
negative um, experience um, into one that's that's yeah, like you said, that that beautiful image of of moving from the ocean liner on onto the shore. Um, so I think I can't improve on that. <laughs> so I'll uh, I'll wrap it up there. Thank you once again, Your Grace, um, for for joining us. You have been listening to Grace and Truth talking with Archbishop Julian. For more talks, interviews and shows, visit cradio.org.au.